Welcome back watch people, my name is Paul Thorpe and today I'm going to be bringing you a really important video, a video that I've wanted to do for a very long time um, and a video that I think is going to benefit you greatly whether you're a watch collector, whether you're just a watch buyer or whether you're just someone that's got a passing interest in watches and maybe thinking about going out there to buy their first watch. This information is about how to tell the true and genuine condition uh, of, a, of a fine Swiss watch. Now this video isn't gonna be easy to make. First of all, I don't have fancy production facilities available to me. I'm just a regular guy. Um, my regular viewers will know exactly who I am, what I do, and what I'm all about. So this is gonna be uh, a video that uh, I would like to think in years to come will become almost a Bible uh, of how to tell the condition of a watch. This is gonna help you as someone who has no real idea um, as to how to properly appraise the, 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 the real condition of a watch as a watch dealer would see it. Um, and this is gonna give you ammunition if you're going out buying a watch. This is gonna give you information that is gonna be hard to learn anywhere else. I mean, yes, I've seen videos um, similar to this, but none of them have really covered um, a, a watch's condition as in depth as I wanna do for you guys today. Now, for those of you who watch my videos on a regular basis, you'll know that a couple of weeks ago, I told you that this video will be coming out and I advise you to, if you wanted to take part, to get out and buy yourselves one of these. It is a jeweler's loop. Um, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically uh, a simple eyeglass that uh, enables you to get in close up to be able to see your subject with a huge amount of magnification. Now, without one of these, you are wasting your time. You simply have to learn and have one of these in your possession to do the job that I'm gonna tell you to do and I'm gonna teach you how to do it right now. Now, the place to get these, you can get them off of eBay. They're not expensive. You can buy them for 10 pounds, 20 pounds. You can buy some really fancy ones for 70 or 80, 100 pounds. The bottom line is it doesn't really matter. They pretty much all do the same job. Um, this one is a 30 magnification. Um, 20 magnification is fine. It doesn't matter. You just need a jeweler's loop. Now, there are some that come with a little light on it as well. They're extra useful. For a beginner, I would probably advise you maybe purchase one of them because it just gives you a little bit of extra light on the subjects and will help you, uh, help, help you be able to understand how this works and more importantly, how you should be using it. Now, for the purposes of the video today, um, I'm going to be using my James Cameron Rolex Deep Sea Sea Dweller. Um, and it doesn't really matter which watch I use because the ethos, the way that I'm gonna teach you is pretty much standard across the board. This is pretty much for any watch that you pick up. The information that I'm gonna tell you now is pretty much universal. But you've got to be able to use one of these. You must learn to use one of these. And very briefly, I will show you how to do that. So this is the object I'm looking at. And this is the object that I'm gonna look at it with. Now, when I used to give these to people in my shop who had never used them before, they would often do this. They would put the eyeglass close to the glass. They would put the glass close to their eye and the object at a distance. The way to do this is you put the glass right up to your eye, as close as you can get it with your eye open. And then you move the object that you're trying to focus on, not the glass. So keep the glass close to your eye, keep it still, and then focus in with the object that you're trying to look at. And if you have to move that in or out, that's fine. 
Do not move the glass, just move the object. And that is the way to use one of these. Now, believe it or not, once you get to uh, be able to use one of these, it's one of those things that you'll suddenly think, how could I not use it? Initially, when you first put it up to your eye, it can feel a little bit fiddly, it can feel a little bit awkward, but I'm just gonna do that once more before we go any further. Glass up to the eye, and then you move the object to get the focus. And once you do that, you're really on your way to being able to properly appraise a fine watch's condition. So let's just say that you have one of these glasses at your disposal, let's say you're ready to do the job. Uh, and if you're not, just get yourselves on eBay and pick yourselves one up. As I've said, they're not expensive and they are an absolute must. And by the way, if you take a jeweler's loop into a watch dealer's and you know how to use it, they will be hugely impressed. They won't be impressed if you just take one in and you suddenly start doing this with it, acting like you know what it's for, but you don't know how to use it. But as soon as I see someone put an eyeglass right up to their eye and do that, I know they know what they're doing. Um, and watch dealers will be impressed by that, trust me. Even if they don't like to admit it, straight away that tells them that you know what you're looking at. So what's the first thing that I do when someone shows me a watch? Initially, I'll always put the watch in my hand like this, with my hand through the bracelet, because a big mistake that amateurs make is they bash the back of the watch, the back case, with the back of the bracelet. And what you end up with is you have the back of the bracelet and the case back banging against each other. Well, if the watch was in good condition before you picked it up, it's probably not anymore because what's happening is, is that the back of the bracelet is scratching the case back. Now, whenever I move a watch around, normally I will have it on something like this, which stops that from happening. Um, otherwise, I'll put a piece of tissue in between and wrap it around the bracelet. But what you don't want is you don't want the back of the watch's bracelet hitting the case back. That's not a good place to be. So the first thing is let me show you how to hold the watch. You hold the watch like that so that you're not causing the watch any damage. And if you're wearing a wedding ring, just make sure that you keep it away from that as well. So basically, that is the proper way to hold a watch to start looking at it just to get your first initial impressions. Now your first initial impressions will be just literally a glance over the watch to see if there's anything that immediately stands out to you. This will obviously depend on how good your eyesight is. My eyesight at one time was absolutely exceptional at close up range. It was perfect for your average watch dealer. Um, unfortunately, my distance sight was so poor um, and I went and had uh, a cataract op operation. I had lens replacement and laser treatment for my eyes. I can now see fairly well close up, fairly well at a distance. My general eyesight is very good, but I have lost some of that super macro close up ability, which is kind of a shame, but I've always got the eyeglass to rely on. Um, and that's what I would suggest that you do. Always look with your eyes, fill with your fingers, and use your eyeglass. Now, when you're appraising a fine watch, your eyes and your eyeglass are very important, but so are your fingers. What I always do with a Rolex watch or any watch that I'm appraising, I apologize if, if I keep saying Rolex, but you all know that I've been predominantly a Rolex man. 
when I'm appraising a watch and it, for its condition, I'm running my fingers all over that watch, all over the bracelet, all over the head, particularly around the sapphire. If you run your finger or your nail around the edge of the sapphire, you will feel maybe any imperfections or any chips that are in the edge of the sapphire. That's the most common place for a sapphire crystal in particular to be chipped is around the edge. Run your finger around the edge of the sapphire to see if you can feel any imperfections and then double check with your eyeglass. That is one area that you always need to check. Using your fingers, run your fingers along all of the bracelet to see if you can feel any sharp areas, any damage. Your fingers are almost as good as your eyes in many cases. Run your fingers along the case, the side, everywhere on the bracelet. So make sure that there are no sharp edges, no screws protruding, no incorrect screws in the bracelet. Your fingers can tell you a lot just by the feel. Fill the watch gently, but with some authority, fill the watch. Can you feel any damage to that watch whatsoever? Now, every single part of this watch will need checking before you can make a proper decision on its true appraisal. And when I say every part, I usually start at the head. I get the head under my loop, and in this instance, being a Rolex Deep Sea Sea Dweller, we'll just use this for as an example. Um, I'm gonna check the bezel, I'm gonna check the dial, I'm gonna check the rehaul, I'm gonna check the lugs, the polishing, the contour on the side of the lugs, any damage to the side of the case, both sides. Will the watch need polishing? Has the watch been over-polished? Has the watch lost any of its contours through over-polishing? Now that is not easy to tell, especially if the watch has been professionally and properly polished, and there is a big difference between professional polishing and refinishing and amateur polishing and refinishing. And I've done a video about refinishing and the importance of a good job being done in a previous video. You might want to refer to that um, when we talk about polishing because this video really is about condition rather than polishing. But you want to check the contours of your watch to make sure it hasn't been over polished. Satin areas on the watch should be satin. Polished areas on the watch should be polished. Um, and if they're not, if uh, an area that is that should be satin has been polished, or if an area that should be highly polished has been satin, then that's a surefire way of telling that the watch has been badly refinished. So once again, I can't stress enough how important this tool is because you will spot a lot of things on this watch that you wouldn't otherwise spot. Make sure when you check the dial that there are no hairs or marks within or on the dial, because if you find debris inside and underneath the crystal, it's usually a sign that a bad watchmaker has been inside the watch and left debris on the dial. A prerequisite for any watchmaker when he's finished and before he puts a sapphire crystal back on a watch is to use a small watch blower, which just basically is, is a light air pressure tool that blows everything off the dial to make sure that when that sapphire goes back on, there's no debris under the crystal and you will not see this with the eye um, you will really need a jeweler's loop to see anything like that check the bezel check the functioning of the bezel check that it turns correctly any functions on the watch you need to check them now obviously different watches have different functions but you do need to check that all the functions are working and indeed they are working correctly that includes any crowns any chronograph buttons 
everything. Make sure everything's recentering properly. Check the features and the functions on the dial, uh, sorry, on the watch, and make sure they are all working properly. If you're unsure about any of the features and how they work, ask the seller to show you and then check it yourself. You know, a lot of people buy watches. Chronographs are a typical example. They buy the watch, they never even check the functions. A week later, they think, I know, I'll just check the chronograph facility. It doesn't work. The second hand doesn't recenter properly and they've got a repair bill on their hands before they even know it. When that fault was almost certainly existent when they bought it. And some dubious watch dealers will rely on you not checking functions before you make your purchase. Once that watch walks out of the shop, it's open to discussion as to when that fault occurred and indeed even whose fault it is. Now a common mistake I see from people who are not used to handling fine watches um, is one when they're trying to assess the condition of a bracelet. Quite often they'll do this, they'll do that, they'll do all sorts of things uh, and it really looks quite awful to your professional watch dealer. The way to properly um, appraise the band stretch or the condition of a Rolex bracelet or a watch bracelet is as follows. You put your thumb underneath the watch at nine o'clock and your two fingers here beside the crown. So it's like this, okay? So you're like this. And then you simply hold the watch up and you let go of the back of the bracelet. Now that is basically as new. There is no stretch on that bracelet at all. Now, the older the watch gets and the more bracelet stretch that is present, and you'll usually find that there's more bracelet stretch with um, steel and gold models or gold models because gold is obviously a softer metal. And the pins that are set inside the bracelet, they will slowly stretch the softer metal and you will gradually get more stretch in the bracelet. Now, bracelet or band stretch um, is something that I've got. I've actually got an example that I'm gonna show you a watch with really poor band stretch. So I'm gonna pop that in in just a second. So that is how to correctly hold and assess a watch to assess its band stretch. Uh, and obviously that is almost or as new. So when you buy a brand new watch, the bracelet will stand up proud just like that. Now, here's a perfect example with a Rolex watch with extreme band stretch or bracelet stretch. You can see I'm holding the watch in exactly the same fashion, thumb underneath at nine, two fingers between the crown. Now look at the stretch on that bracelet. The center links, the gold links have stretched to the degree where you have that much stretch on your bracelet. Now that bracelet is not necessarily disposable. It can be repinned, it can be fixed. And believe it or not, that watch has still probably got plenty of years use left in it if you wear the watch tight on your wrist. Um, now what causes band stretch is people wearing the watch on their wrist in a loose fashion. So what happens is if the watch is on your wrist and it's flapping around, what's happening is, is that the weight of the head is putting pressure on the links. Loose watches means band stretch in years to come. Now, if you're like me, I don't like to wear my watch too tight. I always like to leave a little bit of room, almost enough to get my little finger in between the bottom of my wrist and the bracelet. I don't like watches being too tight. It makes me feel claustrophobic. That's absolutely fine. But just bear in mind, if you're wearing a precious metal watch or a watch with precious metal inside it in particular, you are gonna get band stretch and you are gonna, you are gonna advance the level of band stretch by wearing it loose. Um, with stainless steel, it's a little bit different. 
you'll still get the band stretch, but the metal is obviously much tougher and much more resilient. Now, whilst we're on the subject of clasps and Rolex models, another common problem that I find that people have with their clasps is that when they close them, they don't close properly. They are loose, they flap, and they're just not secure. Uh, and what happens is, is that over the years, is that these two clasps here, this watch is actually quite a rare 1970s uh, Rolex Oyster Perpetual, um, with a clasp made specifically for, for the United States market. Um, but the principle is exactly the same. These two pieces here on your old style clasp, they start to straighten out. So as you push over over the years, what happens is, is that these two parts of the bracelet here become slightly um, de-shaped. Uh, they're not quite in the shape they should be. All you have to do to put that right, to make that clasp snap tightly again, is simply put pressure like this with your two thumbs and just gently bend out this side and make it a bit more U like that. Now you can't actually do any damage to the watch as long as you do it sensibly and carefully and slowly. You can, put, you can push it out, if it's a bit too much you can push it back in. But with a very slight adjustment you'll be able to close your clasp and it will be nice and tight and it will be just like new. Um, I've seen people that come into my shop that have been charged £100 to put that right um, and it can be put right in 10 seconds by someone that knows what they're doing or by someone that's been shown how to do it. It's a really, really simple process. So going back fully into the condition of a watch, we've been through, have you checked that the watch hasn't been over polished? Have you checked all the contours of the watch? Have you looked at all the screws, the bracelet, the case back, the bowl, the bezel, everything, the crown? Have you checked that the watch is winding correctly and you've checked all the functions? Make a checklist um, for yourself. Watch this video again, remind yourself, write it down of all the areas of the watch you've got to check. And then, have you checked it again with your eyeglass? Have you been over that watch? Have you looked at the level of band stretch that's on that bracelet? And are you entirely happy with the way in which the condition of that watch is looking to you. At the end of the day, you have to check all the features, all the functions, and you've got to use your eyeglass. Now, another common fault that people find when they're checking the condition of a watch, it could be a day date, it could be a date just, it could be any watch with a date function or a day function that is operated mechanically. In other words, it's not being powered by a battery. Now, a typical example of a problem that people often find and get wrong when they're appraising a watch, particularly Rolex, is that they will try and turn the date or the day and the date if it's a day date, and what happens is the day or the day and date won't go around properly, um, and they think that the watch is wrong, it needs a service, there's a problem. That's not always the case. Uh, the date changing at midnight on a Rolex watch takes quite a lot of mechanical power. If there's no power in the watch, it's a bit like asking a car to go along the road when it's running out of fuel. It's gonna spit, it's gonna splutter, and eventually it's gonna stop. Before you start trying to use functions on a watch when you're appraising its value, make sure the watch has a decent amount of power in it. Give it 30, 40, even 50 wines to make sure that that watch has enough juice in it for those operations to actually work properly. Um, if they don't, that could mean there's a problem, that could mean that the watch needs a service.
But honestly, nine out of 10 of the watches I see where the date or the day is stuck over halfway, all the watch really needs is a bit more power. On the odd occasion, if the watch has been stuck between dates for a long time, you might just need to just gen gently tap the watch on the side of, on the palm of your hand, just to free it up. I don't quite know what it does. It seems a bit draconian and a bit, uh, a bit of a dinosaur method, but it does just somehow release that watch and it sort of like allows that power urge to come back into play. Look, in all honesty, if you do need to do that, the watch is probably looking for a service, but ultimately do not let the fact that a watch is not necessarily turning over on the day and date, don't let that necessarily put you off. Check that the watch has got a lot of power in it first before you try those functions. Now I can tell you now, I know from experience that a lot of dealers have used that as an excuse to knock people down on price. They'll show them the watch and they'll go, look, the watch is not, the date's not turning properly, uh, this isn't working, the function's not working. And in all honesty, they know damn well that the chances are that when the customer leaves the shop, all they really need to do is give it a little tap or wind it and it's gonna be working fine. So beware of that one, particularly, well, if you're buying or if you're selling, on, on both counts, you need to give that watch plenty of power to make sure those functions stand a good chance of working. Now, something else that I see, uh, and it's all about condition again, is when I go into Rolex authorized dealer stores, I went into a Tudor store the other day, um, asked the salesman to show me a watch, and they placed the watch on the counter like that, okay? Back of the watch, hitting the back of the bracelet. Again, it really annoys me. What you're actually doing is you're potentially marking the watch, you're damaging it um, before it's even left the store. Do not allow salesmen to handle watches um, so unprofessionally. If they do that, immediately pick the watch up, get it between your fingers, like I showed you right in the beginning, so that there's no metal to metal contact. You really need to avoid metal to metal contact on any watch. If you're gonna take your, your watch assessing ability to the next stage, you are gonna need some tools. Again, they are cheaply available off of eBay. You're gonna need a tool like this, which will help you remove uh, the pins from the lugs in some models. And you're gonna need a tool like that, which will help you remove the bracelet from, in particular, your Rolex watch. Now, this will allow you to remove the pins from the bracelet uh, and to remove the bracelet from the head of the watch without scratching the back of the uh, case, just where the pins fit in at the rear. Now those tools I don't really recommend using unless you've had some experience and it might just pay you, you know, we've talked about do fakes ever have a role to play um, in our lives and sometimes they do because you can use a fake because basically they're built the same, they kind of look the same, you know, you can practice on that fake, how to get the bracelet off, how to get the pins out of the lugs, um, and if you damage the watch, it doesn't matter. What is a problem is when you start getting metal to metal contact and if you don't know what you're doing, you're gonna leave a scratch. If you've got a mark on your watch in between, uh, or some dirt in between the, the, uh, the links on the bracelet, or there's some dirt in the, uh, the rear of the clasp, um, soap and water is often the best way to do it with a sponge, or if it's really stuck there, you can use a wooden cocktail stick. A wooden cocktail stick won't damage your watch. Now a little bit more on polishing because polishing and over polishing is a very important subject when it comes to buying watches, particularly if you're buying from dealers who have um, deliberately polished their watches to make them um, more shop window friendly if you like. And there's absolutely, let me be clear, there's absolutely nothing wrong 
with refinishing a watch. Rolex do it to just about every watch that goes back to their service centers right across the world. Refinishing is good if it's done sympathetically and properly. Um, but some dealers will, you know, I mean, to refinish a watch professionally, it's like 100, 150 pound. You can get a cheap job done for like 40, 50 quid. So at the end of the day, depending on your watch dealer, it will depend on the sort of person he uses um, and how much profit he's potentially got to play around with in that watch will perhaps determine how much money he's prepared to put into the refinishing. Now, over the years, I have pretty much perfected how to refinish a watch myself. I can pretty much take any Rolex and refinish it to a very, very high degree. Um, it's a skill that I've been lucky enough to learn over the years. It's not one for the layman. It's not something that I would recommend that you try at home. Um, get it to a professional, let them do it. So how do you know if a watch has been over-polished by an unprofessional? Well, it's not simple to tell, to be honest with you, unless you've looked at lots and lots of Rolex watches in your time. But one of the giveaways is the fact that often the satin finish on the bracelet can just a bit be a bit too heavy. If you look closely at the watch, can you see, can you physically see or even feel the grains in that satin finish? You shouldn't really be able to see that. It's more of an eggshell finish, um, if that makes sense. It, it, you don't want the satinization to be too heavy and too obvious. Moving on to the polished areas of the watch. Again, wipe it clean with an ice cloth. Have a close look at it. Can you see that any of the contours look like, like they've been polished and are they too round? Difficult for the inexperienced because you might not have anything to compare it by. But generally, a watch that's been over-polished will look slightly dimensionally incorrect. Um, but again, to be fair, that's more for the experienced eye. So I'm not really sure how useful this video has been to you because what I'm not prepared to do is to try and be over-clever and teach you things that, in all realism, you're not going to be able to carry out. What I'm trying to do is teach you the basics that gives you a uh, a real in-depth idea from within the trade how you can possibly start to tell the condition of a fine watch. And like I said, right at the very start, you are gonna need one of these. Without these, you can forget it. If you have this tool available to you, you are going fully equipped. You have got the right equipment to go and properly try and appraise the value of a watch. So just to recap very quickly, fingers, eyes, fill, look with your eyes, Fill with your hands. Look for any damage. Once you've done it, go over it again because often you will find damage on a second scan that you missed on the first. Double check the condition of the sapphire crystal around the edges. Is it scratched? Is it chipped? You can't repair a sapphire crystal. It will need replacing. They're not horrendously hideous price-wise to replace, but it is a nuisance. On bezels, on some of the Rolex models, or most of them in all fairness, you might get a little bit of springiness on the bezel. That's nothing to be concerned about. That's correct. Check all the edges of the bracelet. Check the band stretch on the bracelet. Give it a wiggle to see if there are any issues. Check the screws. Have they been eaten? Have they been chewed up? Are the screws correct? Do all the screws match? Are they the right size? And if you do decide that you're gonna do any work with jewelers tools, make sure you buy yourself a decent quality set of screwdrivers, that's imperative. Going back to the acrylic glass models, if the acrylic glass is damaged, 
or scratched, it's not so bad because you can actually go over that with a fine piece of wet and dry. I've done a video on that as well, which is on my channel. You can take a badly marked acrylic glass on a Rolex watch, give it a polish using some poly wash and it will come up like brand new. So one of the biggest problems that you're gonna find with pre-owned Rolex, uh, and particularly ones that are now getting a few years old, is the band stretch issue. Let's talk about that a little bit. How bad is band stretch? What does it actually mean? And what's the ultimate, what is the prognosis for a watch with severe band stretch? Now, as I've already showed you, this watch here is suffering from a bad case of the BS. Now, at the end of the day, as I've said to you, a lot of people could look at that watch and say, well, it's on its way out. And to some degree, it is. You couldn't wear this watch for many more years, in all honesty, especially with a loose wearer. You know, like we said about wearing it loose, you would need to wear this watch on your wrist so it was quite tall, like this. In other words, the bracelet is now nice and tight and it's not giving, the head is not rattling around, giving the bracelet and those soft center links much more chance to stretch. So that will prolong the life of that bracelet for quite a long time, years in fact. Now, if you do get to the stage where any of the gold links actually break, they can be resoldered and repaired and polished. That's not the end of the world. And there are people out there that can actually repin these bracelets and turn that pretty much into that again. Those people are few and far between. You have to be very careful who you use. I can't recommend anyone to do that job right now because the only person that I knew that could do it to the standard that I wanted has since retired. It is a tough job. There are a lot of people out there in the Far East, I believe, doing it, but it's not simple. So how much does band stretch devalue the value of a watch? Well, it depends on the level of the band stretch. Now, if we use that, as a 100% example, let's just say that's brand new and that's 100% and this is a 30 year old watch with lots of band stretch. It makes quite a bit of difference. Obviously the condition of the head is usually gonna be pretty good because the heads are much more resilient and they're not subject to that sort of stretch. But in general, let's talk about acceptable levels. Obviously brand new, very acceptable, no problem. This sort of level, very acceptable. This sort of level, still really quite acceptable. It's when it starts to drop right down like that, that it will slightly give me a cause for concern. Really, this makes a big negotiation or should make a big negotiation um, to the value of the price. If you're, if you're trying to buy this watch, you know, when the bracelet's gone as far as that, really, you need to be taking that into some kind of consideration, big consideration, in fact. And Rolex, gold Rolex day dates can be even worse. So ultimately, from my viewpoint, what you're looking for, unless a watch is particularly rare, because obviously if the watch is very rare, the condition kind of becomes a little bit uh, secondary. You know, beggars can't be choosers. You can't go and find a rare watch and then find that rare watch and insist that it's in perfect condition. But for your average everyday Rolex that you might be buying from a pre-owned watch shop, um, really you want to be looking at something like that at worst, you don't really want to be buying anything that's much worse than that. Um, any, any much worse than that, and you know, four or five years down the line, potentially you're looking at having to have the bracelet repaired um, or even a new bracelet. And if you send that watch back to Rolex, they're almost certainly going to quote you 
or they're gonna wanna quote you for a new bracelet, which could be two or 3,000 pounds or more, depending on the metal. You don't wanna be doing that, you don't wanna be paying that. So just beware about band stretch. It is one of the bad things that exists on Rolex bracelets, but that's the same with any watch brand. Now, how easily are marks removed from watches? I get a lot of people who have owned a watch for just a couple of weeks and they ring me up and they say, Paul, I've got a disaster. I've got a, a scratch on the back of my clasp. Now, this, is, this area here is where you're gonna get most of the marks. It's on the back of your wrist. Um, that hits the counter, hits the table. If you're on a desk, you're hitting it with your desk. It is very, very, very common for clasps to be quite considerably marked. Um, I've never had a Rolex clasp that hasn't been almost, well, it's, you can put it back into as new condition um, with a couple of seconds on the wheel, um, with, the right, uh, with the right wheel, the right satin wheel, all those marks can be taken out, it's not a problem. So if you're looking at your watch now thinking how badly scratched it is, don't be concerned. The metals that Rolex use in particular are so resilient they are absolutely fantastic. You can take that to a refinisher and he will get those scratches out the back of that clasp in a few seconds flat. And that really goes for the entire bracelet. Very easy to polish in the Rolex range, very resilient, very reliable. And uh, if you look after them correctly, they are good not only for your life, but for your children's lives as well. So this video has gone on a little bit, but I hope it's taught you how to appraise um, not the value of a watch, but the condition of it. And uh, the condition of a watch obviously plays a massive part of the value. The ammunition that I've given you today, if you go to buy a watch and you spot some condition issues that I've pointed out, that gives you the ammunition to fire at the dealer to maybe negotiate slightly a better price to uh, work a repair factor in if necessary. Um, basically, that's the aim of this video, just to teach you how to properly appraise the value of a watch. Now, if I've missed anything, sorry, not the value of a watch, the condition of a watch. If I've missed anything, uh, and when I'm editing this video, um, if I feel I've missed anything, I'll pop it in on the comments, uh, on the uh, commentary section, if you like, within the video. Um, but I think I've just about covered it all. This is probably a video that you might have to watch two or three times before you get the gist of it. But ultimately, as I've said on more than one occasion, without one of these, you're wasting your time. Hope you enjoyed the video. Thanks for watching and don't forget to subscribe.